Hey there. You're listening to What the Riff, a podcast that takes you back through the years from 1965 to 1995, featuring a rock album of the month, a few staff picks, and a little more. We hope you'll find something you haven't heard in a while, along with a few deeper cuts that you may never have heard, or that you'll find a new artist to follow. Visit our website, whattheriff.com, where our blog will show you all the artists we've covered, as well as a list of every track. Thanks to our sponsors, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So it's time to turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? The U.S. Senate votes for the SDI project called Star Wars by critics. U.S. Navy officer Jerry Whitworth is sentenced to six, 365 years in prison for spying and a DC-9 and a small plane collide over Los Angeles, killing 82, including 15 on the ground. This is August 1986, and this is What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm Brian. And I'm Bruce. And right now, bringing us this classic album from the 80s is Bruce. That's right. Folks, we're going to do some throwback doo-wop rock. All right, doo-wop. Say that three times. Although this is from the 80s, it's it has a, a kind of a 50s feel to it. This is Huey and Lewis in the News. It's off of their album, Four. I should have yelled two. <laughs> <laughs> so this is their fourth studio album, but the title of the, the, the album is Four with an exclamation point. And F- that is the golf four. That's right. F-O-R-E. Huey Lewis is a big golfer. So, so this song is, um, this is Jacob's Ladder. It's a first track on the album. Um, do you know who wrote it? I assumed Huey Lewis did, but no. It's not, the, it's not the Rush version, is it? It's, no, no, not the Rush version. It's, uh, this was actually written by Bruce Hornsby. Bruce Hornsby and his brother John wrote um Jacob's Ladder, and they performed it on an album. They performed it on Songs for the South Side. I was going to ask if they did, because it sounds like it, they could. Yeah, yeah, they did a different version. Actually, uh, Huey Lewis was producing Bruce Hornsby's uh, album, The Way It Is. And oh. so uh, Hornsby had written this song for the album, and he didn't like the version that came, that, that came out of it. So he suggested that Huey Lewis do it, and it was a hit for Huey Lewis. And then Hornsby recorded it later on on scenes from the, scenes from the South Side. Was Huey Lewis a producer before he was a musician? Or, I mean, uh, singer? I, well, it, it, it was at, he was producing it at the time that this album was coming out, so it was while he was in Huey Lewis. And Isn't Reeves. it crazy to think about how many artists or vocalists, songwriters, producers, and, you know, that they have so many talents... It's oh, just yeah. like they're just going from one thing to another to another. And yeah. they were part of that Bay Area back in the 70s and 80s. Remember all those musicians that were coming from the Bay Area? Both these That's guys right. were out there in that, That's right. you know, so, in that area. So It's a good point. Huey Lewis, uh, he was originally in a band called Clover um, from San Francisco area. It was a, like a jazz funk kind of band. And they the band moved to the U.K. in the 1970s. And Lewis wound up working for Thin Lizzy. Uh, and Clover became the backup band for Elvis Costello on his first album. I thought I remember that name from somewhere, and that's right. That's from when we did the Elvis Costello yeah. a while yeah. back. 
So that he wound up coming back, uh, Lewis and another uh, uh, guy, uh, Sean Hopper, who's on keyboards in uh, Huey Lewis and the News, uh, joined with members of another San Francisco jazz funk band called Sound Hole, and they formed Huey Lewis and the American Express. Uh-oh. Uh, it sounds like a lawsuit coming. Oops. Well, that's what, Chris, <laughs> that's what Chrysalis Records thought as well. I like the way this yes. starts out. Yeah, that does definitely has that retro feel. Of yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a this is a deeper cut. It almost sounds like Sean on on. Well, having the you know the opportunity to see these guys, what you hear on the the the, uh, the, the track is exactly how they sound live. I yeah. mean, they are so tone you know in tune with each other and polished. It really is amazing to hear. Well, I decided to do this one. This is just. This is just a fun song about being on the road and being away from the one you love. And it's, it's kind of quirky. It's got a lot of, of, of funny lyrics like this one right here. <laughs> so, he's clearly sleeping outside. Yes. But um, it's just a fun song. And that's, that's the thing I like about Huey Lewis. It's just it's fun stuff. It's nice harmonies. It's, it's a real throwback. You see why Huey Lewis and the News was involved in Back to the Future because they're, they were a big band in the 80s, but their sound has that 50s feel to it. And that was also his acting debut, if you recall. That's right. Tell him, I'm Brian. sorry. He was one of the judges. Remember when Michael... Uh, Michael... Michael Fox? J. Fox. Michael yeah. J. Fox. Thank you, Wayne. Michael J. Fox was auditioning to play in the... the oh, that's the, right. Marty Huey McBride. Lewis, exactly. And Huey Lewis is one of the three judges, and they all look at each other, and then he raises his hand and says, um, I'm sorry, you're too loud. <laughs> Do you remember what song he was doing? Yeah, it was one of Huey Lewis's songs. It was, yeah, it was The Power of Love. That's right. There it you was, go. A, it was like a heavy metal version of Power of Love that he <laughs> did. That. So great, great cameo. Oh, he yeah. Did a good job with it. There he is on the harmonica. What's nice about Huey Lewis, really, mid-'80s, you couldn't go anywhere without hearing Huey Lewis. It was nice and poppy. It was catchy. It had great hooks. And it, it just, he had hit after hit. This album had tons of hits. Oh, yeah. Ones we're not even covering in this time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, the big one was Stuck With You. That was the, the, the huge hit. But Jacob's Ladder was a Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I couldn't tell you which one was the biggest one because I, so many of them, when you look down the track listing, I remember. Well, stuck a lot with, of airtime. Stuck With You was number one for weeks, if not months. And the thing about Stuck With You that this always stays with me, I won't say stuck with me, <laughs> was the video. The video was very yeah. clever. Uh-huh. And it was very funny. And it was very well thought out. It was just, it was fun to watch. Certainly, Huey Lewis was one of those bands that everybody in the family could listen to. And Absolutely. Yeah, connected right. on a lot of levels. And they knew that, and they didn't. They didn't try to ruin that because they did have a wide, a wide audience. But they, you know, it's it's interesting. They they really hit it big with sports. Sports yeah. was the big album that they did. Um, that one came out in uh, what was that eighty three? I believe it was. I think you're right. Uh, and then they it just started. It just built and built and built. So they were doing sports in eighty four, eighty five, and of course, Back to the Future came mm-hmm. out. That was a big hit, and and it just continued to propel them into superstardom. Now, this song is my favorite from the album. 
if you were a singer of any type, you sang with any group during this time, one of the things that was happening was acapella groups were coming up. And this was this was one big acapella song that you just had to do. Mm-hmm. During the, you're referring back to the concert. All of the band, bass, drums, everybody came out to the front of the stage mm-hmm. and they sat in a semicircle or stood in a semicircle and they sang it. It was just beautiful. Beautiful. Love these harmonies. Yes. Do you mind if I snip my fingers? <laughs> Fantastic. So the song is naturally. The song is naturally, and it's an a cappella piece. And um, we were talking before, and, and Brian, you mentioned, you know, Huey Lewis has been diagnosed with Meniere's disease. I didn't realize you have Meniere's as well. I do, and it was uh, about a year ago that he was diagnosed that he came out mm-hmm. publicly with it. And what it's caused him is to have to step away from music because in his case, his case sounds like it's much worse than mine. I do have, the ten- I have some tinnitus, mm-hmm. which is a common thing. And if mine gets bad enough, and, it, and if, uh, it'll cause pressure in your ear, and it can cause vertigo. Right. Makes you really dizzy. And very, very nauseated if it gets to that. And it does, it's happened to me. But in his case, the way he was describing it was that it's so bad, he cannot hear music in its natural pitch anymore. Mm-hmm. So therefore, he can't, you know, sing the song because he just can't hear the notes as well as, you know, right. in their natural pitch anymore, so which is very, dis- very disappointing. I mean, he just... Well, I've, I've got some good news on that because I, I looked over the, the, uh, the, the comments and things, and there was an article in Rolling Stone just recently. Huey Lewis in the News has returned with their first song in over 10 years. Oh, it's wonderful. a song called Her Love is Killing Me, and they're going to a- release a new album. Wow. In 2020. So uh, you're, you're right. He's having a lot more difficulties with it, but it comes and goes. Okay. And so he, he has a hard time touring and do thing, yeah. doing things live, but they can work with him in the studio. Okay. So uh, if you haven't listened to Huey Lewis in the news for a while, go out there and look on Spotify. Get Her Love Is Killing Me, a uh, brand new song from him, and uh, it's just really good news that they can. Well, I hope he continues to improve. Almost sounds like David Lee Roth there, you know, just a, just a gigolo. Mm-hmm. Happy trails. Listen to this end. I love the way it resolves like that at the end. And then you get that <laughs> at the end. Oh, all this, right. This is one of those hits you over, you've heard quite a bit. Oh, yeah. This is, this is another hit from the album. It's like Rob was saying, though. There's like five singles from the album, and it's hard to avoid, you know, yeah. getting the hits. But uh, this, was, uh, this, this was a big uh, song at the time. So um, I had to play it because it just seems to represent the time really well. Agreed. Yeah. You know? The... Uh, Lewis intended it to be ironic, and it, it kind of bugs him a little bit that people categorize this as, as his song. He didn't intend it to be a, you know, squares of the world unite kind of <laughs> anthem, right? So the name of the song is Hip to be Square. The name obviously. of the song, yes, and Wayne keeps pulling me back to actually naming the song. It's Hip to be Square. Um they were the truth is the band was a little older than a lot of the other bands, so they weren't known for going out there and trashing the hotel rooms and going on benders and things like that. They actually Dating matured very well. Yeah. 
So yeah, mature thirty-year-olds. That's right. <laughs> but you know, it took a while for them. I mean, they they were doing kind of sowing their wild oats in the early seventies, mid seventies, and by this time, they're they're kind of settling into a little bit more mature sound and a little bit mature behavior. But um, the song itself is referenced in the novel American Psycho. And there is a scene in the movie American Psycho um, where uh, the, the, the main character delivers a critique of the lyrics just before killing Paul Allen with an axe. <laughs> I, I keep referring back to the show. But in this song, at the end, you know, the, 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 you'll hear the song we go here, there, and everywhere. It's mm -hmm. hip, hip to be square. Yeah. He brings the roadies out. The uh -huh. roadies all come out marching, <laughs> and they stand at the front, kind of that semicircle like they did. Excellent. And they're the ones that are singing hip, there, and everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, Do you know who did that backing vocals? I was going to say, uh, we'll, I thought we were going to cover that in a minute, but a couple of uh, San Francisco 49ers at the That's time. That's right. Were That's right. Really? San Francisco 49ers Ronnie Lott, did it. Joe Montana, Dwight Clark. We'll we'll wow. pause for it when that uh, <laughs> when it comes around, but I figured if you're going to bring it up, we'd go ahead and uh, yeah. go ahead and talk about it right now. But I just I love this group, and it's just one of these that just it just takes me back to that time, high school and college, mm -hmm. where you know Huey Lewis and the News was just just big. Well, it's just an upbeat album all around. Oh, you're yeah. going to feel good about it when you're listening to it, and after you listen to it, it's it's just one of those things that, like you said, it's just fun. That's right. And a lot of music actually in the mid '80s was that you you were in that you know rolling '80s with with you know the Reagan mm -hmm. prosperity type thing that was going on. Everybody That's was right. enjoying life at that time. There's the 49ers. Yep. Let's say was Joe Montana, Dwight Clark, as you mentioned, Ronnie Lott, uh, and I want to say one more, but I, I don't remember. There's a fourth one that's yeah. recording, but those well, three they were, for sure. They were big in the San Francisco Bay oh, yeah. area, and they're still they'll come out and do the national anthem for the 49ers, basically yeah. for all of the San Francisco teams, and of course others, but but their home is San Francisco. Oh. The band was on USA for Africa. You remember the the We Are the World? Yeah. Lewis has a solo on that. Mm -hmm. There was a little controversy because they pulled out of the the concert because of concerns about the money not getting appropriated correctly, mm -hmm. and they got a lot of criticism from the the organizer. But the truth is that they were right. Mm -hmm. Great pick. Thanks for sharing it with us, Bruce. Oh, thank you. You're listening to What the Riff from August of 1986. We hope you like what you hear. If you do, download the songs on your favorite music channel and follow us on Facebook. Let us know what you'd like to hear. If you get a moment, please give us a review on iTunes. We appreciate it. And now we're going to continue with our entertainment track. Ah, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, do you remember the movie Ruthless People? If you do, you'll remember the track, Ruthless People, sung by Mick Jagger. You cannot find this on iTunes. No. I was surprised. It's, it's on a, YouTube. Yeah, this is written by Mick Jagger and Daryl Hall from Hall & Oates. Oh, really? Now, I didn't know Daryl Hall was connected <laughs> with it. Well, the movie had came out a couple of months before, but the song was so popular that it was on the you know, top of the tar charts then. I just remember, we were talking before the recording, but I, I just remember it was Danny DeVito, Bette Midler, and I, didn't, I don't remember any of the uh, other characters, but 
It was certainly a dark comedy, but I'll have to re- revisit this again. If I, I, I have not seen this movie in years, yeah. but I loved it. It was it was it was a very dark comedy, but it was it had so many different plot twists. I have to think it was originally a play. Yeah. Other movies that came out in August of 1986: Stand by Me. I remember that, that one. one. Then we had Flight of the Navigator, Friday the 13th, Part 6. Another <laughs> one of those ones that was almost disgusting to me, The Fly. Oh, mm. I, d- I thought that was, uh, I couldn't handle that one. That was gross. That was gross. She's Got to Have It, Spike Lee movie. Howard the Duck. Ah, uh, yes. Howard the Flop, I think they called it. That was that was a bad movie. One Crazy Summer, if you like those rom-coms. That was oh, fan- now ones. that was a fantastic one. That had... Um, Oh, Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, yes. How he avoided best supporting actor in that movie is a mystery to me. That was John Cusack and Demi Moore as yes. the couple in that. I mean, th- those were very interesting movies at the time. Also, Ted Knight had died of colon cancer that month. Oh, wow. So, obviously, from Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. Orange Whip. Orange Whip. Three Orange Whips. <laughs> but that was your... Uh, your film of 1986 of August. Now we're moving on to staff picks. Staff pick goes to Brian. Oh, yes. Listen to the guitar. This is the fabulous T-Birds. Another group that sounds like they're older than they are. <laughs> they were older, though, yeah. actually. Because he was the older brother of Steve Vaughn. Oh, that's right. Yep. This is Kim Wilson on lead vocals. And the guitar, of course, is Jimmy Vaughn, brother of Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray Vaughn. I just love the guitar in this song. Yeah. It's but got this, that Texas blues feel, yeah. doesn't it? This, is, this was voted by the VH1 as one of the top 100 one-hit wonders of the 80s. <laughs> the top 100 one-hit wonder. <laughs> well, they are very popular in Texas. I mean, they oh, rode yeah. the Texas circuit over and over and, and oh, yeah. yep. were sort of one of those, uh, we, a past group that we did in Mother's Finest. It's one of those groups that everybody knows if you're in Texas, but if you got outside of Texas, you'd never heard of them. And it was really the help of Stevie Ray Vaughan becoming popular with Double Trouble and his band. And then suddenly here goes, oh, wait a minute, there's some music down there. What's, what's next? And then... Oh, the older brother has a band, too, called the Fabulous T-Birds. Well, this song peaked at number 10 on the Billboard Top 100. Mm-hmm. And then it also went up to, as far as Billboard Mainstream Rock, it went up to number 20. So, they had another song, I'm sure you remember, if you call it, it goes, uh, Wrap It Up. You remember that song? Wrap It Up. I'll yep. take it. Yep. yep. That was released before this one. So, they're not really a one-hit wonder. Well, this one was a, they're considered a hit. Yeah. But wrap I do it remember up, but I remember that yeah. getting a lot of airplay when I was in college. Yeah, I remember this one playing a lot. Oh, yeah. No, this is a great song. This song was also uh, covered by Winona Judd uh, on her 2000 album, A New Day Dawning. And uh, this was also covered and uh, by the Foo Fighters. Oh, really? Uh, on Austin City Limits. Uh, they had guests... The Foo Fighters, of course, we, they're still playing. But they had Jimmy Vaughn playing guitar while they did this on Austin City Limits. So oh, that's cool. That's yeah. a choice. Did it sound? I mean, was it, so it was the same? Yeah. Same song. Yep. 
the Foo Fighters sang it. Of course, Dave Grohl on lead guitar and, and right. singing the song. But having Jimmy play this part on Austin City Limits was really cool. Of course, they no longer they disbanded. But back in the day, it was as we mentioned, Kim Wilson on lead vocals, Jimmy Vaughn guitar, Preston Hubbard bass, Fran Christina on drums, and Al Copley on keyboards. Here it comes. I love that right there. That sounds a lot like Stevie Ray, doesn't it? Absolutely. Well, top hits of August 1986, Papa Don't Preach by Madonna, Higher Love, Steve, Steve Winwood, Venus, Bananarama, and Take My Breath Away, Berlin. Now, have you guys heard the Whitney Houston version of Higher Love that's come out recently? No. That's that's a neat thing. It's uh, um, it, it sounds, it's very much. It sounds Whitney like this, Houston maybe? Maybe something like this? <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> My friends, we have departed the early 80s of heavy metal era, and now we've gone to the big hair heavy metal bands that right. make up the late 80s. Um, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed both both versions until they got to the power ballads, then I kind of went off, went off the, uh, the tracks on some yeah, of those songs. The power ballads made a lot of money, though. Yeah. Well, if you don't know it by now, this is Cinderella. This is the first single off the album, Night Songs, and then the song is Shake Me. And this is off their first tour. They toured with Poison. Uh, but that was they were the opening acts for a Japanese heavy metal band called Loudness. Um, they would eventually tour with uh, Van Halen, um, uh, David Lee Roth, Bon Jovi. So they... Obviously, we started out as that beginning band and finally becoming a headliner in the, in the yeah. later 80s. The I remember the, the David touring with David Lee Roth. I remember David Lee Roth and Cinderella coming out. Well, Cinderella would go on to sell over 15 million you know, albums uh, worldwide. So, you know, they, I mean, for that period of time in that late 80s, they were a big band. You go and get the greatest hits, there's tons of them. Like I said, there's a few power ballads I'm not a fan of, but I mean, this right here just is, it is full tilt. You just, I had it on one of my CD, my, my cassettes. I had a cassette called 220 MPH. Was at that time was how fast you could go on Indy 500, or fast you can go. And I would use that when I'd run the Peachtree Road Race on July yeah, 4th. Yeah. So I'd put that on. This is one of the songs that was on there. And I'll reference other songs as we get to it. But I mean, you could just tell. This is just you can hit that, you can hit that drum beat. Just that's what was that was what my legs were doing. Just 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 trying to go as fast as I could. But you know who this lead vocal voice is sounding like to me? I'm having flashbacks to Brian Johnson of ACDC. Yeah, a little, got that kind of gravelly mm-hmm. yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm having flashbacks to going back of a car on the way to school listening to Back in such Black. Such a loud voice for su- such a pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> and pretty hair. Now, is, is Cinderella still touring? Do we know? Uh, right now they're not. Um, they have, uh, they, as of 2017, they pretty much said they're not going to be reforming back as a band because they were doing like those those rock, rock and roll cruises and things of that yeah. sort. Uh, but... What's interesting, you talk about big hair, nice looking. This album is considered one of the worst album covers ever. Oh, boy. <laughs> worst album covers. Covers. Ever. Because uh, with, with the greatest album, with, with a good album on it. Because they all had the big, big, huge hair. And it was just all over. And just them standing out there just kind of glamming. Yeah. You know, they, were, they were glam rock. 
But what's interesting is uh, there was like this roach or pin one of the lead guitarists had, and he actually gave it to um, to Lizzie Hale of Housestorm, um, and for her for her to wear on her album. And that's an up and coming or a group that's out now. Yeah. That's a great rock and roll group. So if you got another chance, but ah, I enjoyed that. Cinderella. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry that they're not touring, but you don't know what you've got. Till it's, it's gone. gone. Yeah. Well, somebody saved me and nobody's full were two other hits yeah. off this album. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Thanks, Wayne. Taking it up a taking it up a bit a bit. Now I'm gonna hand it off. Now we're gonna do a little going alternative. Alternative. Yeah, getting into some alternative rock here, guys. This I is, guess Rob is doing this one. Absolutely. This is David and David. Which one is which? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really matter. <laughs> They should have just did D squared or something, you know. Well, the, I, I really, if, I don't know if you had the album. This album has some amazing tracks on it. These guys are great storytellers. And I love the way that they, uh, you know, they tell tell stories. If you listen to the lyrics, if you read the lyrics, there's a, a good story in each one of them. You know, who, who does this sound like to you, Brian? Satisfaction oozes from a I'm it feels like it. it feels like Lou Reed's to me. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Is this the same album, Rob? That has the, probably one of my favorite songs, "Crazy." Remember the song "Crazy"? Uh, "Crazy" is not on this, unless okay. that's a lyric that you remember. "Crazy," something like that. It's really a great song. But anyway, I don't mean to interrupt. You. This is two guys, David Bearwald and David Ricketts, and they actually play all the instruments on this album except for the drums okay this is uh, welcome to the boomtown i like their songs it's kind of a lot of working class songs you know kind of talking about the common person a little bit like bruce springsteen would but i am not a bruce springsteen fan but i like these guys Rob, I mean, I've got to say, I probably haven't heard this song since the 80s, and I'm glad you picked it. Yeah, this well, is, there you go. This is one of those songs, you, it, it does hit with me of, of this is that time period, and it doesn't, it's not too alternate. It just, it does have that little whiny guitar in the back and everything, <laughs> but I remember this song, and it, it's a lovely song. Yeah, it is. It's a good one, and the video's good, too. And they, they make good use of the word succulent in a song. Yes. <laughs> All that money makes such a succulent sound. Mm. Yeah. Listen, took a year off of college and he never went back. My album actually skipped there and I always hear this skip whenever I'm listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> and you never fixed it, so it's, it's, it's imprinted in your brain. That's right. Yeah. Deal. Now he deals dope out of Denny's, keeps the table in the back. He's got his back against the wall. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's listening to the ground. There we go. But uh, this was my junior year in Athens, and, yeah, I did. I had my stereo with my vinyl albums and listening to it. Isn't it funny? Do you have albums that, like, when you hear a song – you expect to hear a certain sound that yes. was a scratch on the album or something? Or a hiss or a pop. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. 
for the for the uh, for as long as I can remember. To your point, I always listen to the Doobie Brothers' "Southside Midnight Lady." Yeah, "Southside Midnight Lady." Yeah, and at the end, it always skipped to the end. Of, I always miss. I'm like, what? You know, and I never replaced it. I just never thought about it. I just always got used to the little skip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah. All that money makes such a succulent, succulent sound. sound. So the story here is about handsome Kevin and all the things he had going and Miss Christina and. You know, she drives a 944, satisfaction Ooh, nice oozes from her pores. She keeps rings on her fingers, marble on the floor. The then you get this line, the ambulance arrived too late. Mm. Wow. It does have the lyrics of a Lou Reed. Yeah. yeah. What a, yeah. What a sounds very... Just, to Bruce's point, it sounds just like him. I didn't think of it until you said his name. What a very positive song. Yes, yeah, it's uplifting. <laughs> so, yeah. Lou Reed had heroin, so, I mean, come on. I got to tell you, if uh, this was their, their hit, but uh, you've got Welcome to the Boomtown, Swallowed by the Cracks, It Ain't So Easy, Being Alone Together, A Rock for the Forgotten, River's Gonna Rise, Swimming in the Ocean, All Alone in the Big City, and Heroes. If you had this album, you probably haven't heard these songs in forever download it go find it on itunes or spotify and enjoy it it's it's great and these guys actually went on uh they only this was the only project they did this album together so did they go back to college after a year (laughs) (laughs) took a year off of college and they They never went back back. oh they never went back You, you can't find them in denny's though they actually uh, uh, worked with Cheryl Crow for a time, too. Okay. And you can kind of see how their, their style of music would fit in with, yeah, with her a little bit. Well. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Bearwald, David Bearwald developed a solo career, and uh, Dave Ricketts went on with this other singer, Tony Childs. So, very nice. Yeah. Good very good. Very good. Thank you for choosing. Now we're going to bring it all the way back to the beginning. And Bruce is going to be bringing us his staff pick after bringing us the album pick. So what you got, Bruce? All right. This, my friends, is a super group, a a one-album project by a group called GTR. It was founded by guitarist Steve Hackett from Genesis and Steve Howe from Asia and All Roads Lead to Yes. Yes, absolutely. So this is uh, this is a group we've heard before. Brian brought us uh, when the heart ru- uh, when the heart rules the mind a, a little bit back when we did the uh, um, the project on the Smiths. Um, but this is the one that I like. This is a little bit of a little more of a maybe a power ballad sound. But um, I don't know. I just like it. You can hear Steve Howe in the background. That sort of had that yes guitar work. Yes, back there. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's an acoustic sounding guitar. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah, it's got the it's it's definitely got the prog rock feel to it. It's a it was targeted commercially, but it's still. I mean, you look, you got Steve Hackett, you got Steve Howe, Jeff Downs produced it. Oh, it's so pretty much a super group. It is. It's a super group. But it's funny that, I mean, I guess with that kind of thing, it's hard for them to uh, stay together because they, they already 
very well known and it's probably hard to work together with everybody yes. with all those egos and all those professionals yes and i think that's very much what happened with gtr i think uh hackett and how approached things very very differently and um i think it was an interesting project for them to do but i, I don't think that it i don't think that they really felt like it had staying power and uh you know it was just kind of a one-off project well, there's several ones like a power station was another one that power was similar, station similar yeah. to the same another big, the firm the firm mm -hmm. yeah exactly there were several groups that just sort of came guys just came together hey we're going to call it this let's do some songs i got a song here that's really not my style but it may fit with what we can do here i think uh asia was probably the most successful i mean they they had two hit albums and then they had their third one didn't do too poorly and but uh that was a super group that geffen put together yeah well, I wouldn't say. Would you say Mike and the Mechanics was a super group? I know it was a spinoff, you know, from Genesis. Yeah, I almost want to call Mike. it a side project. Yeah, yeah. that's so kind you of call Mike it a super Rutherford's group? project. Yeah, I think. yeah. Okay. I think what happens in cases like this is some producer or some record company says, "I'm going to put these guys together on the same." album or they toured together or had friends or hey you know i always yeah. wanted to work with you let's do this mm -hmm. yeah uh, this is a good one uh for what the riff bruce i i don't remember this one but yeah. i remember the group and the voice is familiar well this one this one didn't hit the the pop charts i think when the heart rules the mind actually hit the charts yeah this one was one that I heard on 96 Rock, but um, I don't recall hearing it on any of the pop charts. I think right. it just—I uh, think it just made the uh, the rock uh, the rock charts. It's got a nice anthemy feel. Well, some albums that came out in August of 1986. Look what the cat dragon poison. Poison. And uh, Bruce and I are actually going to see Brett Michaels tonight, so Absolutely. we're, we're going to go see that that one. We had Benny Vincent Invasion, if you remember that. Benny Vincent being one of the former members of KISS. That's right. Lionel Richie dancing in the ceiling. Rat dancing undercover talking about your big hair. Motorhead, that was actually more uh, your heavy metal. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. That was wow. a huge That's when album. really everything Phenomenal album there. Paul Simon had Graceland. Another big album. He won a lot of uh, Grammys, did Exactly. It? That was probably the biggest album of the year, actually. Yeah. Uh, Paul McCartney had Press to Play. Toto, Fahrenheit. Yeah. Daryl Hall, we talked to him earlier. Three Hearts in the Happy Ending Machine. Was it just Daryl Hall or Hall and Oates? Just Daryl Hall. Interesting. Yeah, because Hall & Oates was, with, with the MTV generation, they were huge in the early mm -hmm. 80s, mid-80s. Great. Well, now we're going to move on into our instrumental or comedy. And which one is it this time? It comes from Quiet Riot. That's what it does. Well, that's not funny. <laughs> and this is a short one. Yeah, that's not funny at all. So, believe it or not, <laughs> Quiet Riot, yeah, did a little small intro, sort of like what Van Halen did. Just something just played around. Let's say, hey, that sounded neat. Let's just put it on the album. Like so, Cathedral? or Exactly. Yeah. Mm. So, that's what this was, more of a bass-generated. But, uh, yeah, we already talked about music of August 86. Two things that happened. Tina Turner had her star and build on the Hollywood Walk of, Walk of Fame. And Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia is released for the hospital after a three-week com coma. And I'm just wondering if that was uh, drug-induced. I wonder. By himself. Yeah, could be. 
Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed What the Riff from August of 1986. Guess we got to wrap it up here. Signing off, I'm Rob. I'm Brian. I'm Bruce. And I'm Wayne. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time. You've been listening to What the Riff? We hope you've enjoyed riffing with us and all the songs we had on tap today. Check out our website, whattheriff.com, to find a complete list of our blog and then find each track on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify to listen to them again. Follow us on Facebook at What The Riff and let us know what artists you'd like us to feature in the future. Tell your friends about us and thank you to our sponsors, Stanton Electric and Marbury Creative Group. See you next time on What The Riff?